Hello and welcome back to Foreign and Domestic Unfiltered, or welcome to for the first time, um, for anyone who's new. My name is Patter Cleary. I'm here with my co-host Ramon Mile. How's it going, folks? And yeah, we we there are this is our episode five, right? I believe so, yes. So we're rolling. Taking deep dives into the topics that you probably don't want to, so we can do it for you. I'll get into some of those, most notably the disgusting thing that is CPAC as a quick hit. Um, our major topics for this week um, on a foreign on foreign planes, we're, we're going to be looking at what's going on between the US, uh, Iraq, or excuse me, Iran, um, and then kind of how that is filtering through our our psyche with everything else that's happening on the domestic front which oh uncle joe dropping bombs yep and then yeah the domestic topic we're going to take a look at the stimulus package which as of uh recording this on saturday has been passed by the house still has to go through the senate obviously probably won't be in its current form we'll get into the uh the little bits about that too. All Ramon the, has plenty. He said. All the game playing <laughs> we see. All right, so let's let's start with our first quick hit, which um, you know we're going to lead off on a somber note, but I think it's it's only right that we you know acknowledge that as of this week, over five hundred thousand people have lost their life through the coronavirus pandemic in America, which. You know, I'm not. We're not here to kind of point fingers totally at why it's at that number. Um, but the the large question is, out of you know all the people that have died from the coronavirus, there's no reason why America should have 20 percent of the total deaths in the world. So there definitely is some blame. It's also the one year anniversary anniversary of Trump famously saying it'll go away, where he did this little wavy thing with his hand. He said, it's going to start here and then just go and then it'll be just gone. Poof. Folks, we're going to be done by Easter. <laughs> be done by, by Easter. Easter. So yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a somber topic, somber tone. Um, you know, life has changed, obviously. That's understatement of the year. Um, but I think uh, an apropos quote that I came across as I was, you know, looking at why Everyone is going through, obviously, pandemic fatigue and whatnot. But there was an apropos comment from Mr. Joseph Stalin. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's a (laughs) former uh, dictator of sorts. He said, one death is a tragedy. One million is a statistic. Um, Which I think you kind of see that now where the numbers are numbers at this point. It's hard to, you know, contextualize that much death. But I know that the people who are on the front lines, people who've been, uh, you know, affected by it, had loved ones affected by it, uh, you know, it's just, it's a horrible thing. Um, and I don't want us to be numb to it either. You know, there's so many, um, you know, awful things that have happened throughout this year between, you know, the coronavirus and, and just having to deal with that isolation. Even going to your loved one's funerals now has been a, you know, a mm-hmm. process because of it. So... Just wanted to acknowledge that it's a grim, grim milestone. But um, on a positive note, uh, Johnson and Johnson has had an emergency pass of their vaccine, mm-hmm. which means you know stockpile is is growing again. Um, I want to say something like twenty percent of the population of America has been vaccinated so far, or at least at least the first shot. Yeah, yeah, at least the first shot, which is good. So I I believe we're at the at the other side of it, but still work to do. We still have to be diligent. Um, but yeah. And then obviously with all these variants, <clears throat> right? Uh, there's a new one in New York City, you know, a lot of stuff to keep your eye on. But yeah, you know, just to f- 
touch on what you were saying earlier with, uh, you know, it, it really is. It, I feel like it, it is important. Like, I know everybody's probably like worn down by it by now. And I'm sure most people don't even want to think or talk about this anymore. Right. But, you know, re- remembering where we were a year ago mm-hmm. and it sort of relates to like, you know, when we talked about the Texas power crisis and all these different things that we we touched on just in these first uh, few episodes of this podcast where, you know, I think that for a lot of Americans, like this was a shocking, you know, a, a shocking thing because so many so many people that, you know, have this con this idea in their head of like you know, we mock it all the time, like, oh, greatest country in the world, you know, things like that. And it, this has been like a, just a, a just a, a roller coaster ride of that veil, veil after veil being ripped away, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the, the, the truth of it laid bare that we have a lot of work to do in this country. There's a there's a <laughs> like in so many different areas that it would be impossible to touch on in a series of podcasts. But, <laughs> you know, I think that Hopefully, like you said, hopefully we've passed event horizon on this and we can, you know, start to climb out of this hole here. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, things like getting kids back to school, getting the most vulnerable vaccinated. You know, there comes a point then where, you know, you can open up back America back up again, despite of the strains, because, I mean, we all and I don't like doing this comparing, you know, flu pandemic to this pandemic. But there is a sense of if we can get enough people who are vulnerable vaccinated you know if these variants are just going to get stronger people sick right and be able to beat it then there there comes that tipping point where you just open it all up right um but that's above my pay grade to figure out when that <laughs> is but just knowing that you know we have the vaccine rolling out not only in america but you know quite a few places we have success stories around the world with it and countries who have been able to manage the crisis so what can we take um as a as a society, as a world of of you know, what are the su- success stories? What did they do right? What did they have in place in order to be you know capable of dealing with a, a global pandemic? Um, these are things that all people can look at, all countries can look at, and it's not just an American issue. But like I said, I just wanted to touch on that. You know, that's that's a grim number um, considering that this time last year there was zero. Um, yep. All right, and then just to change change pace a little bit, uh, <laughs> CPAC started uh, this week. Which, Buckle up, boys. Ramon, can you give me a, a definition of what CPAC is? Uh, I believe CPAC stands for, what is the acronym? What is it? It's the Conservative Political, uh, Action. Political Action Conference. Right. Which is weird. Like, I don't know why they made it that way, because, like, obviously everyone knows PACs being as political action committees where, you know, yeah. people send money to and they kick it out the uh you know candidates that the pack supports but yeah uh this is it's like a trade show for uh <laughs> it's comic-con <dorks>. it's basically <laughs> comic-con i mean and you know the left has it too they have yeah, their, you know they absolutely. have their own uh uh you know little antics that they do and i, I mean i like that i like i've always watched them you know for the last like five six years sometimes you get like uh you know, like people have debates, you know, Tucker Carlson debated some people a couple years ago. You get some interesting stuff happen, you yep. know, some fireworks pop. But CPAC's, you know, it's a little it's a little different. I mean, for me, it's this I, year has been super different. right? Yeah. I mean, well, because it's well, first off, it's largely virtual. There aren't anywhere near as many. It's not True. an actual convention. It's basically just a series of speeches 
as opposed to what it used to be. And um, but yeah, but the laughs are still provided, <laughs> folks. I mean, some of this stuff is just <laughs> right. We're gonna we're gonna get into some of it right. here. Uh, here, you want to just hop right into yeah, it? Yeah, just play that one of these first clips here. All right, let's do Can it. you preface the clip? Who is this? Oh yeah, so just just to open, just just to open, one of the first uh, people to step up on this day. Actually, no, I don't think he was the first, but. One of the first prominent folks that hopped on, Josh Hawley came on, and this was literally infamous the, Josh Hawley. The first thing, insurrectionist Josh Hawley. <laughs> this is the first thing he said coming on stage. Hello, CPAC. How are you doing? Didn't anybody tell you that you're supposed to be canceled? Oh, you didn't Jesus. get the memo. You're supposed to ask permission before you came here today. Oh my God! All right, all right. So just to just to, <laughs> I just think that I mean I might be alone here. I just think that's so funny because the the literal like the 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 graphic for CPAC for their all their advertisements for the last couple of weeks is like America, you're canceled. What? <laughs> Jesus. So this is folks. This is what. The, this is what Republicans are messaging on. You, this, this is it. Counter culture, to, uh, the cancel culture is grievance culture, right? Yeah, they're just <laughs> they're telling me, mom, pap, pap, like, hey, you're canceled. Uh, the, the Democrats have canceled you. What are you going to do about it? Basically, you know, that's that's where we are now. So I just thought that was great. Um, so you get a nice sense for what this uh, CPAC was about here by that clip. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell. There really isn't been, you know, and that's typical to CPAC. You know, if you've ever watched these across the years, they're they're not there talking about policy. You know, that that's not what, well, you know, Republicans don't really have much of what are they, you know, they got their tax cuts. That's exclusively what the party is for. I would yeah, argue. It's FaceTime with the, the younger. I would say CPAC would be younger. Oh, yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly, yeah. yeah. CPAC is definitely more bent toward the younger crowd. Like I said, like uh, last year, like one of their headliners were um, Charlie Kirk. Well, like aside from Trump, obviously, but yeah, like the people who actually went, like, because Trump's only there like one day out of this series of the events. But yeah, like Charlie, Charlie Kirk and uh, uh, Shapiro. Wow, uh, no, I don't think Shapiro was there last. Year. I think he was there the year prior. But like Tucker Carlson was there last year. You get Alex Jones. There's oh. a, there's always there's just a who's who of just hilarious people in politics. But um, yeah, yeah. So so here I want to go to this next clip real quick. <laughs> I want to play. So Trump Jr. He was the headliner of the first night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to get actual big Trump, big boy, big daddy Trump uh, later on. I think he's supposed to do day three. But uh, so, that's a, you know, that, sorry, that's interesting, though, because we haven't heard him speak. It's yeah. Only like snippets on on Fox. Well, calling into Fox yeah. cr- crying about how unfair. So if he has a him. stage with a ton of his grievances. <laughs> Yo, fuck. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. But so here we'll kick off right now. <laughs> we're going to play uh, Trump Jr., who, you know, he's. <laughs> He's been sort of fashioning himself as like he's he's he thinks he's a comedian on on social media. Mm-hmm. Anytime he has any of these speeches and stuff, so and certainly has a rock and roll lifestyle of uh, a comedian. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was all geeked up last year. I, I don't know about this year. I couldn't really tell. Allegedly, his pupils always look huge, but I, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, um, yeah. So here we'll, we'll hop right into his vaudeville shtick here. Who would have thought that within 33 days we'd be bombing the Middle East again? I would have. Oh no, guys, come on, the military industrial complex? I'm surprised it took them 33 days. 
I guess they waited till the first month, so they couldn't say that was part of the first 30, but it was only shortly thereafter where we started bombing the Middle East. Speaking of bombing the Middle East, have you seen Liz Cheney's <laughs> poll numbers? Man, it's so awkward. Now, listen, the one thing I'll say for Liz Cheney is I'm sure she has a lot of bipartisan support because if there's one thing that she and Joe Biden definitely want to do, it's bomb the Middle East. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh, man. Yeah. So I just love it. I just love it that like right off the bat, like this was probably like, you know, four minutes in. He, his speech was only like 13 minutes long, but like right off the bat, just like, oh, oh, Biden's bombing the Middle East. Bro, like your daddy didn't literally smoke Qasim Soleimani. Right. Like, what was it? A little over a year ago? And didn't he use the Moab? Yeah, the yeah. He also dropped. Mother of all bombs. The biggest bomb pound for pound size America's ever dropped. That was a conventional bomb, not a nuke or anything yeah. or an atomic bomb. But yeah, the biggest one ever dropped. Like, your own father escalated a ton of this shit with Iran, and now you, you're going to come right out and just... It's not even... Like, it's literally just... It's like what we talked about with Rush last week. It's Irony just, is dead. It's just pure propaganda and just shameless. Like, I'm just going to lie to all of you... Yeah. All of you hogs right now watching this. I'm just going to lie, and you're going to... A lot of you probably know it, but you're just... We're all just yeah, going to collectively... Yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to collectively act like none of that happened. And my dad's an outsider again, even though he was just president for four years. Right. And we're going to attack Joe Biden. Well, I, I mean, it's incredible. I said it to you before we hopped on. You know, that's one of his accomplishments that he touts is that he didn't escalate or or he didn't uh, get America into any wars, which I guess, you know, factually it's true. Technically, yeah. But, you know, he probably did some of the biggest provocations that America has done in a long time that could have started some big, big War. I mean, right. What are, yeah, overt uh, provocations, like th yeah. things that he went and literally put out a press conference like, I just did this. Sure. I mean, I'm right. sure other presidents have um, ordered the CIA to do a ton of shit that we never heard about no. that, that were provocations. Never. And, or, or Trump himself. But <laughs> yeah, it's just incredible to me because it's like you're going to pretend like he wasn't president for four years and none of that happened. And, and you know. To be fair, like this isn't me running cover for Joe Biden. What he did and we'll get into later was yeah. her horrific for no Shady. reason. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, what what else? You got anything else from CPAC from that CPAC? popped out to you? Well, one of the things that's apparent, uh, just judging by the number of speakers and the topic around that is, you know, the, the two things that are, it's jumping out to me with CPAC. And honestly, it's tough to stomach a lot of it <laughs> just because it of what you just said. It's they're lying to your face. And, you know, the fact checkers would be having a field day if they were trying to, you know, trying to decipher what actually was the truth with a lot of these speakers. But with that being said, the two topics are obviously Trumpism. You know, mm -hmm. we just listened to uh, Trump Jr. Um, and then also China. That seems to be the other boogeyman that they're railing against oh, yeah. uh, with a lot of speakers is China. Um, and, you know, in politics, you need a boogeyman to rally around, especially one side or the other on on national politics you know what was it the last cpac it was probably uh oh venezuela venezuela yeah yeah there's always a boogeyman yeah um china is this one and and cancel culture apparently <laughs> i don't have anything else on cpac just because i don't think we should it, it's literally an entertainment thing yeah, now. Yeah. i think it's to show 
face to a lot of people. I mean, but- Kimberly Guilfoyle literally walked out like a WWE wrestler like right. <laughs> to the podium. <laughs> <laughs> the best is yet. Oh, man. Yeah, let's... Uh- Let's end that CPAC discussion. But yeah, it wasn't that good this year, folks. I, I wish that it was better, but I watched a lot. The ratings were terrible. Yeah, it's just a horrible job. Nobody's watching anymore. Te- sad. I will. Oh, I will. Uh, I will watch Trump. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, oh yeah, I'm still gonna keep like checking in and seeing if anything like funny happens. But. Oh, for sure, I'll, I'll be checking in on that. But I couldn't actually watch a live stream of it. No, no, unbearable dog shit. Yeah. Um, the commercials too were just horrifyingly oh, bad. Geez. Yeah, really bad. Um, were you w- grabbing it online, watching it? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was streaming live on YouTube, and it's just it was so funny because like normally Republicans they they do to be like completely keep it a hundred here. They do a better job of like sort of like the production value of stuff, in my opinion. Like whenever you watch Democratic events that they put on, and like the commercials they run, like pre-planned commercials and stuff they run. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's to me, it's no different than like Super Bowl ads. Like it's just like things that loosely have nothing to do with the thing that the point they get to at the end. Yeah. And like Republicans typically do a better job of like you know they're trying to steal your country. Well, right. Yeah. They yeah. They, they WWEify it. Yeah, you know? they do. It's Which it's very true. You know, it's more entertaining. Like whether you like whether you what you think they're saying is true or not, it's still funny. But like, they're brainwashing <laughs> grandma and papa. So. Right. Right. But um, both of them are, I guess. But no, this one was bad because like I was watching it and. They were like they'd have a couple people talk and then they like run a commercial and then it would just go to the CPAC logo for like four minutes. And it's like, well, why is this a six hour streaming event? then? like if there should never be dead air, yeah. like you have dozens of people lined up to speak in one day and commercials to run. Right. Why are you doing this? Like a, that's sort of like if you ever watch like CNN or whatever, like on uh, your phone TV. and they yeah. run weird ads and then in between it'll be like, oh, returning shortly. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was dog- poorly done. All right, we'll end it. We'll end that CPAC discussion. But yeah, if you guys want some comedy relief, um, Donald Trump Jr. called Brian Stelter <laughs> Mr. Potato Head, which he's not wrong. He kind of does have a potato type head. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our uh, our first main topic. What do you want to do? You want to do the foreign or domestic topic first? Ooh, I think we should talk about the stimulus. Yeah, um, I think I think yeah, we should. Let's, let's, into let's, that. let's do that. So. Like I said, as of recording this on Saturday, the House passed the $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, which it's not over yet, folks. There's still more needs to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and you know, we were chatting about this, but I think the Democrats, they inherited a situation where obviously it's a pandemic. People are hurting. You know, there's plenty that needs to be done. And the conversations that have happened when Trump was president around a relief package kind of moved the conversation forward quite you know, quickly towards, you know, a higher relief payment in terms of the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're kind of dropping the ball with a lot of this around, you know, trying to be too nice and appease everybody. Um, you know, obviously there was some uh, Democratic opposition with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and was there anybody else who was opposed to what was in the the package from just, the Democratic side? There were a couple, uh, just no name Democrats in the House that actually voted against it, uh, but they're of they're of no note. It, it yeah. doesn't really matter. But right. no, in the Senate, no, it was just Cinema and Manchin. Right, and again, it's 
It's one of these things where if the Democrats are going to be trying to be too nice, it's going to end up biting them in the arse come midterms. I know you've quite a bit to say on it, but what, like what? Well, the last thing I'll say is this has been a quite popular bill. Um, yeah, and I was look, reading an article in the Economist, and as bills go, it's the mo- fifth most popular bill that's been written up in the last fifty years. Sure. Yeah. So you know, one thing when you're governing, and the you know the the Republicans were quite good at it when they had majorities, is you can't please everybody all the time. But if you have enough support for a release stimulus package like this. Get it over the line. Don't be getting caught up in, you know, parliamentarian procedural procedural bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. And then at the same time, which, you know, we'll touch on the foreign policy, you're visibly seen, you know, dropping bombs in Syria. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just optically and, you know, functionally it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. There, and I mean, so there's a ton of different things that I need to touch on here. I mean, I don't know if we're going to have enough time, Go. but so... Just to just to lay the baseline here for what we're what we're getting at and what my kind of track I'm going to take on this is, it, you know, let's let's rewind here. Let's go back to Georgia. Let's remember before the Georgia special election, Democrats ran. You can well watch it on the Internet. I know that there's been a ton of arguing between liberals and leftists on this. Mm-hmm. Biden ran on two thousand dollar checks. So did Warnock. So did um, uh, what's his name there? Now, Young but, yeah, uh, but they no, they explicitly ran on two thousand dollars checks, two thousand dollars checks. John Ossoff, yes, thank you. Um, and that just immediately, uh, they oh no, we're only going to go half loaf on it. So that was fuck up number one, in my opinion. Because remember, ultimately, what we're talking about here, guys, you have to keep in perspective is we're already into we're about to be in the third month of twenty twenty one. The midterms are going to start rearing up like this summer. People are going to start. Um, uh, applying to be entering in races and things like that for all these elections coming up. So this is all very critical. This is probably going to be the largest piece of legislation that's going to be done in, you know, decades. It uh, well compared to the HEROES Act, it's so much smaller. But this this package that uh, and we'll get into all these tangential things that Democrats are trying to add into it is just it's massive in scope. Right. Mm-hmm. So, again, let's start two thousand dollar checks that already dropped the ball on that. Biden himself has been running on $15 minimum wage for the last four years. He's been championing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, everyone in, uh, the, in, in the Democratic Senate has as well. There really hasn't been too much break other than, again, like we said, Joe Manchin. Um, cinema hasn't really gotten too crazy on it. So the, this is the highlight of everything that's been happening. Even let's rewind a little further. So yes, last night, the what was it, like 3 a.m., the stimulus package gets approved by the House. So the big news on Friday, or I'm sorry, Thursday night was... There's this thing in the Senate. We're going to have to keep getting basic here just so we can kind of break it down. There's this thing in the Senate called the Senate Parliamentarian. I'm sure you've heard about it if you've been following this. So basically what it is, is it's an advisory council um, body that exists. There's one in the House as well. The Senate has their own that exists to look through precedent and um, current, you know, con- current rules of what the congr- uh, of congressional rules to see what a party who's trying to want uh, uh, a bill that's try- attempting to be passed, whether it's within the bounds of, ru- of the rules or not. So what we have here, the big news Thursday was the $15 minimum wage that Democrats were trying to tie into the, sh- uh, the stimulus package. The Senate parliamentarian ruled that it does not meet the Senate rules. So here's the issue. The Hyde Amendment it states that you cannot put any legislation into in no legislation can go through budget reconciliation unless it significantly affects 
the U.S. budget. Okay, so now it's reconciliation gets used almost every other year in the uh, U.S. Congress. Uh, the, the, last time? the last time it was used was 2017. The Senate, uh, the Republicans controlled the Senate and they put through Trump's tax cuts. Right. So um, I forget what the actual breakdown was, but I think it was somewhere around one point five trillion dollars was the total cost of the tr uh, tax cut across a 10 year period. So what we're talking about is one hundred fifty billion dollars of revenue effect uh, being lost by the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. So now this Senate parliamentarian uh, believe her name is what was her name? Uh, Elizabeth McDonough is her name. I think. Did I say that right? McDonough. McDonough. I'm sorry. Yeah. Patter's been schooling me on the correct pronunciation. <laughs> Americans apparently are slaughtering her name. So she ruled that uh, the $15 minimum wage actually doesn't affect the, uh, the U.S. budget, which the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, has uh, run some numbers on it. And it really doesn't make sense to me how they're trying to say that a tax cut does change the budget. And they're saying that the, US, the minimum wage being increased uh, doubled, basically, and some doesn't affect the budget because uh, all the other studies that I've seen run on this clearly proves that there is a billions of dollars of influx. I believe it's somewhere anywhere between it can be estimated at 30 to 60 billion dollars more revenue the federal government will collect off of a $15 minimum wage just by this uh, just uh, from them receiving more federal tax income from payroll taxes. Yeah. So and that was the argument Bernie Sanders launched. He's been launching it for weeks now. He's been having his staff work on it to try to lean on and influence the Senate parliamentarian in this regard and to convince his colleagues that it won't be an issue. So uh, for some, I don't know, somehow she ruled that way. Mm -hmm. So now here's the important thing to understand. The Senate parliamentarian, how it's being represented in the media and the way that Joe Biden's been talking about it and Kamala Harris, they're making it seem as if this is a ruling. What everyone needs to understand about this position is that it's an appointed position, it's an unelected official, and it's complete. It's purely an advisory rule uh, 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 that it's an advisory statement that she put out by saying that the $15 minimum wage can't be in. It is not a ruling. She has no power. There is no actual function for her to stop legislation. The the only power she has is in public perception, which is what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their statements that they've put forward in the media saying that they will not overrule the Senate parliamentarian. It's purely optics. It has nothing to do with any actual function of power in our government. All right. So the real issue here is. We just that the Democrats just won a majority in the Senate. They've ran on all of these things now. Uh, for me, and this is where we get into the speculation of it all, because yeah. you see that a lot of people making up a lot of different uh, lines of reasoning on this where they're like, oh, Joe Biden doesn't want to seem as first of all, let's take Joe Biden out of the equation because he's the president. He's not even involved in any of this. Yeah, sure. He can lean on his party. He sent Kamala Harris to lean on Joe Manchin. You know, we, we talked about that. Seems he, like she failed. Yeah, he, he there is some function here. But at the end of the day. Um, you have multiple states in our country that are passing $15 minimum wages. If you look at the polling on it, 70% of Americans support $15 minimum wage. 60% of Republicans support it. Mm -hmm. So this isn't an issue about public policy polling. Okay. And it's for sure not an issue um, when it comes to like large corporations. Uh, they've largely given up on lobbying uh, against this. Uh, Amazon, Walmart, all these huge corporations have plans or have already started. Yeah, Amazon are already given $15, I believe, right? Yeah, a ton of major U.S. corporations already pay $15 or more to their lowest ranked employees or are in the process of doing so. So yeah. this isn't, again, this isn't even just campaign donors. So what does that leave you when you're doing the political analysis on it? This to me is, I had a lot of conversations about this the, when the first round of stimulus checks went out last year. And then all the George Floyd uh, protests started in the summer. 
And then people started demanding a second round of checks. And you started seeing Democrats sort of being, yeah, well, we'll see. Let's see what happens. And you, if you if you remember, there was a giant gap between the first stimulus checks that were released in April all the way to, what was it, November? Mm-hmm. I believe it was, late November, yeah. when we got our second stimulus check. So aside from the actual need for what Americans, uh, you know, were demanding of their representatives and the clear economic data on we needed these checks, right. I'm starting to feel like if there's no outs, if there's no lobbying political pressure on these people to not to not give a $15 minimum wage, there's clear clamoring from the actual population for it. I think that we're entering an arena now where. The Democrats are making a calculation where they don't want to start setting a precedent where they have to start operating the way the Republican Party does, which is the Republican Party voters demand things and they have to respond or they will lose primaries because you have people like Trump. You have people like Josh Hawley. You have there's you have the uh, Tea Party folks like Ted Cruz who will they have no problem. They will slit each other's throats to keep the control of the voters on their side. Right. Democrats don't operate that way. And I don't think that they're, they don't want that control to start slipping that way mm-hmm. to where you're going to have your AOCs, your Ayanna Presley's, your J- Pramila Jayapal's, these populist Democrats who will do what the people want because it's already within their political ideology. Right. They don't want to cede that control. And I think that that's exactly what we see here, what see happening here, where they're going to hide behind procedure tie their hands behind their back and say, oh, there's nothing I can do. $15 random wage, can't do it. Not even just for the sake of for pleasing donors or anything. This is purely, in my opinion, this is a PSYOP control thing mm-hmm. where they don't want to come out of the gate and give everything away off the bat and set that precedent, set that expectation mm-hmm. of their voters of delivering. Right. I honestly think that's what it is. I don't, I, I can't see any other explanation. What, what do you so think? So, I mean, what, what is the... What uh, what has the answer been to it? Is it just completely around procedure that they're ducking it on, or you know who's pressing them on this? I know that the the uh, the progressive wing of the party will continue to to sound the alarm on this and and get that as a priority. But it, how fast is it going to be tried to push through the Senate uh, the, this stimulus package, like the one point nine trillion? I know that. Uh, Biden has said that you know let's let's get this going, and people have been asking for it for a while. Right, and then we have the infrastructure package that'll will probably precede this. Mm-hmm. So, are they just making a calculated risks and picking their battles on this and try put that in the next bill? I don't. I just don't. Well, no. I I mean, so here's my thing: is that if you so so here to answer your question, if you we could make the assumption that they're going to do an infrastructure bill later in the year, you know, it's probably going to be much later in the year. Mm-hmm. But even if they do that, you're not going to be able to have the votes to get a $15 minimum wage or or probably just any infrastructure bill through in the Senate. You're not yeah. going to have it. So theoretically, if they successfully use reconciliation right now, they're going to be using in just another politics 101 thing here. Reconciliation can only be used once per fiscal year. So right now, while they're if they pass this before, I forget what the deadline cutoff is, but if it gets passed through the House like it just did uh, last night and then it goes through the Senate, they're technically going to be using Trump's fiscal year from his last year of his presidency Hmm. because he didn't use reconciliation in the year of 2020 for that fiscal year. So I forget what the cutoff is. You could get infrastructure through later on in the year using this year's fiscal reconciliation, the one time use. Yeah. But so uh, if that is the case, then I don't know why they're not they would not use reconciliation on this. 
Well, no, they are. This is we're in the reconciliation process right now for the one point nine trillion dollar stimulus bill. But what I wanted to say is the important thing uh, also to highlight here is after all that news came out Thursday, the parliamentary wasn't going to allow it. Nancy Pelosi in the bill that she finalized and passed through uh, yesterday, it does have the $15 minimum wage in it. So she did kick it forward. So it's still in the bill. It's going to go forward to the Senate. So there's a couple things that could happen here, folks, just to get to the next level of it beyond my theorizing. So there's two ways that it can get passed through. There's Kamala Harris can she so the actual presiding officer of the House is Nancy Pelosi. She's the leader of the House. Mm -hmm. The presiding officer in the Senate right now is actually Kamala Harris because it's a 50-50 split. Chuck Schumer's not the presiding officer. So this is all on Kamala Harris. She has the authority to overrule the Senate parliamentarian on this. Mm -hmm. Now, this is sort of a Byzantine senatorial process that I believe it didn't start until like the 1920s. So the Senate parliamentarian position didn't even exist. It's not part of the founding document. This is something that this is just another layer of what, you know, some... Uh, U.S. historians would call uh, extra levers of control to, it, make, to make sure that the mi- it's minority protection is basically what it is. Right. It's, it's, to, it's to put it's to put in. It was a position created so that a party in a majority can't just steamroll you. So it, it, it limits the scopes of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So you can't literally just be like, oh, we're raising that. Really, what this is, was it was put in place as a reaction to FDR's extreme policies that he started launching in the early 30s. Mm-hmm. This was already something that people saw bubbling under the surface, and that's why the position kind of started getting talked about and eventually when Republicans took back control, created. So mm-hmm. um, and uh, germane to that is also the second thing that could be done to defeat uh, the $15 minimum wage being advised against by the yeah. Senate parliamentarians. You can straight up fire her. They can just straight up fire. Which you they've done. The, the Republican Party have done. Yes. And they were trying to push through Bush policy. In 2001. Yeah. yeah. They got rid of, um, I'm forgetting the guy's name. I got it right here. Uh, Robert Dove, uh, the Republican Party, the Republican Senate just straight up fired him because he said that Bush's tax cuts were improper in reconciliation. So they just got rid of him and put a guy in that said, yeah, sure, cool, dude. And the thing is, they didn't even need to do that. They could have just overridden him. But it's about, again, we're talking about optics here because that's all that this is. We're talking about procedure and optics. So let me ask you this then. Is how it's written into the bill right now, the $15 minimum wage, has been the one that has always been where it like increasingly does it until like, was it 2026 or 2025? 2025. So... If they don't do that and go ahead and tell the parliamentarian to fuck off and put it through anyway, then again, they're just kicking themselves in the fucking arse and they're giving sound bites. Absolutely. And they're giving everything else is just fluff. Um, and they're not actually learning from the mistakes and what they saw the Republicans doing when they were in power. Or of the Obama administration, which yeah. has been a line of Biden. This is yeah. something that they've kept on saying to them in the media in response to questions like, we learned the lessons of the Obama administration. Right. Because if you all remember, when same thing. We're literally living through a repeat in history right now where the Obama administration came out of the gate hot. They made a bunch of big promises. They had a lot of pressure from uh, you know uh, groups that had formed to support yeah. Obama and pushed him through in the general. They had an economic crisis. And the exact same thing yeah. right now, just obviously not the Senate parliamentarian, but these pressures to try to – the Democratic Party to try to contort itself into doing things in a bipartisan nature when – Stop us. The day after yeah. Obama was inaugurated, Mitch McConnell came out and said, you know, my number one job is to stop right. all of his priorities. Yeah. So we're not – there's just this disconnect where we keep having the people of the party saying, hey, we want these things. 
Not only do we want them, the country wants them at large. Are we not a democracy? Are we or are we not? And at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is I keep coming back to this word, but they're just they're they're hiding behind the procedure of it all. Yeah. So and here's the next part of it I want to get to. So I named the two ways that this can be overcome. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the actual scary part about it for me. So um, after the parliamentarian ruled that way on Thursday, Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, he came out with a plan um, to, to possibly add into the bill once it reached the Senate where he wants to basically reverse engineer a $15 minimum wage by levying a tax against large corporations that don't pay their workers 15 an hour, you know, in a way to basically compel them to raise wages. Now, in some different areas, like this isn't a bad strategy, but it's horrible on wages for exactly the reasons me and you had just talked about earlier. First of all, most of these large corporations already pay their workers $15 an hour. There's very few of them, like, you know, Walmart, for example, where I think they're starting wages somewhere around $11 or $12. And it largely depends on what state you're talking about. But trying to lay a tax on a a corporation that isn't paying their workers $15 an hour is so ass fucking backwards. Now, mind you, he also didn't denote what qualifies, um, how many workers you have to have to qualify in his plan as a large corporation. So... This is, again, they're still trying to construct things, even though we all knew going into this that this was something that needed to be done with speed. You have unemployment benefits running out in the uh, the second week of March. Uh Um, There's all these different things lapsing that need to be renewed in the stimulus bill. And now we're at a point now where just because of this stupid procedural thing that every uh, a lot of top Democrats are trying to hide behind. Now it's forcing a lot of other Democrats to try to, you know, rush to try to fix these fit these things in. And the last thing I want to say on the Ron Wyden, um, uh, basically amend, amendment to the uh, stimulus bill he wants to put in, this is just, it's not going to work. What, what you have here, you're going to try to flex on these corporations. Amazon has already done it in a bunch of different regards. Uh, look at companies like Uber, all these different uh, gig uh, gig economy jobs. Yep. All, the, all it's going to do is it's going to give them even more incentive to hire people as contractors and not employees. Prop 22 in California basically already set the precedent of how to defeat something like what he wants to put in. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not going to work. And not to mention, if the if one of the main arguments that progressives have behind the $15 minimum wage is that it's going to stimulate the economy, like it has through every study that, that it's been done on the local level and statewide where states have enacted $15 minimum wages by a certain year, um, it shows it shows uh, an increase in the velocity of the economy. Yeah. Um, so again, it, this is just, it, it really is just, it's super disappointing the way that this unfolded. Um, and, and, you know, not to spend too much time on this, but the other relevant thing that got taken out by the Senate parliamentarian that isn't being talked about in the media is that child tax credit that me and you talked about. Yeah. What was it? Uh, I saw that. Yeah. So it, and the thing about that is $3,100 savings on it or something. Well, so it was supposed to be uh, the the current child tax credits two thousand dollars. The Democrat plan they put in the one point nine trillion dollars stimulus was for thirty six hundred dollars for children uh, five and under, and then three thousand dollars per child six through eighteen. Right. So now the issue with this is this one doesn't even make sense because what we're talking about here is they're saying the parliamentarians ruling using the Hyde rule the same way, saying that this doesn't affect the budget in any real way for it to be put in reconciliation. How doesn't it? We're talking about refunding more money. And mind you, 
The Hyde rule only requires that it either the, the U.S. government has more revenue or less revenue from this thing that gets put in rec- reconciliation. Yeah. By definition, the U.S. government will lose revenue because they're giving people more money than what was already in the child tax credit. On its face, that ruling doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, for, for God's sakes as well, like this, these are literally unforeseen times when we're talking about budget and you know what needs to be in a stimulus package. Like the fact that they're going to allow themselves to get tied up over Senate procedure or, you know, a procedure, excuse me, uh, it, it'll just be so disappointing. And as I said, they're they're going to they're going to see the if they can't push this over the line with that as a something that they ran on, something that they promised. People remembering what they said will be the people that had forced the party's hand in the first place to start talking about this. And when it comes to midterms, they'll end up actually feeling the pain of that, I think. Right. And and just just the last thing I want to talk about on this, because this is so relevant to Democratic Party political strategy and it just being incoherent. It's mm-hmm. so incoherent, like hab- habitually throughout the history of, you know, me paying attention to politics the last decade or so. But even right now, this doesn't make sense with what they've been talking about for the last three months. They keep they kept talking about, oh, the need for speed on this, the need for speed on all of these things. So when progressives would progressives were trying to actually arguing alongside with Republicans on this, mm-hmm. saying, hey, we need checks and we need money for vaccines. Let's do those independent. Right. Mainstream Democrats like Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, you know, and you, to some regard, like the party needs to follow what Biden wants. Like he has the mandate. He just won. Right. He just won an election. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, no, no. This all needs to be packaged. It all needs to be packaged. So you're telling me right now that all of these staffers, these high paid lawyers, these people that you all have on payroll that can run through simulations of all this shit and see like what would happen? Would this qualify in the rules? You're telling me you didn't do that months ago? You're telling me that your excuse for saying like, oh, no, we're going to wait on checks because we're going to wait for three fucking months to put it in an omnibus stimulus package. Then what was the wait for? What did did we not do that for? Because- People were talking about this in leftist circles, podcasts, uh, independent media. They People were talking about this Senate parliamentarian shit months ago. Yeah. Now, this is something so Byzantine, like even with my political brain poisoning, I didn't have a full grasp and understanding of it. I fucking do now because now if this is the thing that Democrats are going to claim is uh, such a high hurdle that they can't clear. Mm-hmm. And it's really just something that they're saying they can't stomach. They don't want to. Oh, we don't want to break the rules. This is so much higher than the regular bullshit level argument that they make about, oh, we want to have a bipartisan path forward. Mm-hmm. They're literally sticking a, putting a stick in their own fucking spokes right now, wiping out on the bike. Yeah. And then blaming some unelected person. Yeah. I mean, it really is just incredible. Uh, it's not a good look in the first 30 something days for them to, to be getting into it. A battle with the Senate parliamentarian and then just throwing your hands up and saying, sorry, I guess we'll be tried, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I- this is, again, this is the most optimal time to do something like raise the minimum wage. Yep. Because I'm under the illusion, maybe it is an illusion, but I, I seem to think that once everything opens up, people will be back and it'll be booming. Mm-hmm. You know, once we're given the go ahead in terms of like the pandemic and businesses back and, you know, stimulus all of that call me an idealist but i feel like this is a good time to to set us all free with some extra money in the back pocket for those people who proved themselves during this fucking pandemic right you're talking about like people who would typically 
best, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure everyone can benefit from a, a higher minimum wage. You hear the the talks of against minimum wages is around small businesses being able to afford that in certain parts of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, that is a uh, I guess an issue for some people. But again, we can't be ruling on things that are just an issue for a small majority or a certain amount of people when this is a a topic that is majoritarily, uh, you know, a, a popular issue. It's right. raising the minimum wage, so. Yeah, and that's all I have to say on that because this is this one has frustrated me. And we were like texting, you know, after it happened, and we kind of laughed about it because we were waiting for something like this to railroad, uh, you know, this this green patch or purple patch. As- yeah, I mean, I, listen, I didn't support Joe Biden in the primary. I was concerned seeing him in the general. You know, obviously, again, I'll say again, I was a Bernie guy. I, I honestly would have taken a ton of other. I would have took Pete Buttigieg. I would have took Amy Klobuchar. There's a yeah. there's like four other people I would have took over Biden for same. exactly this reason because this is what I was worried about. Not even just like all the stuff that people are joking about, like oh he's old, blah blah. blah. Sure, we all know that. But my what I feared was that he was going to come in and and keep following up on this same like mindset that he's talked about all for the last four years. Him and Pelosi. Keep going in the media saying, oh, I want a strong Republican Party. I want them to be this. I want them to be that. And it's like, you guys still don't get it. You still don't see that these people are ruthless, have been punching you in the face for (laughs) over fucking like for my entire lifetime. Yeah. They are not playing by the rules. And you people cannot, you cannot leave this insane fantasy land that you live in. Where you, and again, we're talking about the parties here. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about voters. Yeah. We're talking about th- th- these two parties doing battle over these rules and regulations that affect our lives in real life. Right. And you, they're fucking playing games. Right. And you saw it with some of the more high profile ones or things like Merrick Garland, Supreme Court, all that stuff. You know, Obama's Mitch McConnell played interference on a lot of Obama policy. Like we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. The big examples of it. And I'm sure there was a ton of it. On a state and local level as well. Right. right. Yeah. I don't yeah, know, man. We'll, we'll leave sure, it at that. I'm sure we'll be revisiting this, but just super disappointing. Tried to come into the Biden administration with some optimism here. You guys heard it in the first few episodes, but honestly, between this and this next segment we're about to get into, I mean, he's making it, he's making it too easy. He's making it yeah. too easy to just completely dunk on him and get right back into the same mode that leftists were with second term Obama. Because it's like you what you know what are you doing what right. are you doing yeah. i just throw your hands up <laughs> throw your hands up um so yeah that's a good segue into some of the same stuff and in that same vein some of the same stuff is happening in the middle east <laughs> america be bombing <laughs> so uh oh, with all of what we just said regarding the stimulus and the minimum wage before that's even passed in day what? What is this? Day 36, day 37 of uh, the Biden presidency lost, officially? Lost track here. He's managed to drop some bombs in the Middle East, which I don't know if that's a record, but... Cool. <laughs> but again, that's a slap in the face that you can't get these other things taken care of on a domestic level, and but you're still out there in the Middle East doing what you do. Um, it's given ammunition, so to speak, to the Republicans... Because as we talked about, and as I said earlier, one of Trump's things that he touts is that he didn't escalate anything, which we know is bullshit. 
But just around the actual incident itself, a couple of things are intriguing about this is because they were talking at the start of the week about the Iran nuclear deal, the mm -hmm. JC, what's his official name? The JC, JACOP? JC, whatever. Something, yeah, some yeah. weird anecdote. We'll call it the Iran nuclear deal. Um, he was obviously talking about getting back into it, which, you know, big picture, Biden played a part in the original. So I, I see that's a feather in his cap, I would say, uh, when he's talking about it. But it, just the interesting dynamic I've been talking about this week, that this week, and then this happening. Um, now, what they're saying is it's in retaliation to an incident that happened in Iraq, in the green zone, that uh, Iran militia, or ba Iran-backed militia, I should say, um, were firing rockets into the green zone, which, you know, correct me if I'm wrong now, was killed a c contractor, yeah, US so civilian contractor. It came out the day after the breaking news initially was uh, let out that it was, it was a Filipino contractor died. Um, so not an American citizen. One person died. Yeah. Yep. He was a Filipino contractor and there were six others wounded and one of the wounded was an American uh, military personnel. Mm -hmm. So... And just to, just to give a little background on it, I, I think it was, I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah, there were there were rocket rockets launched into the Erbil airport, which is basically the airport for an American base on the Iraqi side of the Syrian border. Um, there wasn't really a ton of, uh, there wasn't really great reporting on it. It's it basically was the same thing that we're getting, uh, you know, post post uh, Biden's bombing, where they're just saying, oh, it's Iranian backed militants. But um, when you look into the, what the press hits are about who they targeted, who Biden targeted in these attacks, they blew up several buildings. They're saying that they were targeting Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I got right here. So according to The New York Times, since President Biden entered the White House, Iranian-backed militants across the Middle East struck an airport in Saudi Arabia with an exploding drone, are accused of assassinating a critic in Lebanon, or and of targeting American military personnel at an airport in northern Iraq killing a Filipino contractor and wounding six others. So, yeah, it's interesting when you, like what you brought up. So this all happened right before the their statements that we talked about in the last podcast where they were, uh, uh, Anthony, Anthony Blinken and Biden were basically saying like, oh, we're not worried about getting back in the Iran deal. Mm -hmm. um, so sure, some of this is you're playing, you know, you're playing chess. And then... Earlier last week, or you know, la yeah, last week they, you know, oh, we're, we're prioritizing getting back in the deal. They're gonna have to re-adhere, blah blah blah, all this stuff. So now you have Biden come out and just launch a super late retaliatory strike, which they claim is proportionate. Um, I don't think it's proportionate. They killed twenty-two people. We don't have any data on whether any of those were civilians. Uh, who any? There's no ID on them. Typically. What um when you see these types of drone strikes like Obama used to do them all the time and Trump did quite a few uh, obviously famously with Qasem Soleimani, mm -hmm. which was a signature strike, which means they knew he had some sort of tech on him where they knew from a signal that it was him or they had some other type of intelligence. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen anything in any of the media saying that this was a signature strike at all. This was just them dropping bombs on buildings they knew Iranian militants had used for transport transportation reasons. So again, we don't know who the buildings yep. were. No one's ID. Um. It's just, it's honestly, again, it's it's incredible to me, just, just like what you said. We have all this shit going on here at home. These people can't help themselves. 
they can't help themselves but just continue to inflame all of these decades of just American fuckery in the Middle East. And the reason this is significant is, so this is, again, this is an illegal, this is an illegal act of war. Congress didn't authorize it. Right. He just did it all on his own. He's still running off the Patriot Act, which every president since Bush has used to mm-hmm. um, authorize these types of things. That's how they do it legally. Yeah. And according to our own courts anyway, not to anyone else's. Yeah. And they also did it in a sovereign country. They did it in Syria. Right. Um, so it wasn't even in Iran. Yeah. They were like, oh, we 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 we're bombing Iranians uh in another country, but it's cool, it's cool. It's because they shot rockets at an airport that killed someone from another country that isn't even ours. And yeah, and when you when you say it just like that, the hubris of the of America <laughs> to then, you know, Roleo Gensaki, you know, who I showed you a tweet from 2007, literally talking about authorization to do something like this yeah 2017 yeah 2017 um i know bernie came out and, and warned the president about overreaching in his powers to declare military action fair ro Khanna went a step further and said we can't stand up for the congressional authorization before military strikes only when there is a republican president the administration should have sought congressional authorization uh, authorization here we need to work to eradicate ex- or excuse me extradite the middle east not escalate it and mm-hmm. I think that's the best summary of it. Like, if you are truly going to be a uniter-in-chief, demo- diplomacy, democracy is back, diplomacy is back, then don't have that as, uh, you know, a first act in the first, you know, quarter of your presidency. Right. Um, especially when, you know, Iran, by all accounts, they are, you know, continuing on with their nuclear proliferation. Mm-hmm. They, you know, their missile program is strong and healthy. You know, are you going to do something like this and expect them not to act with restraint? Um, You know, the same reports that you read about American politicians saying, well, this is an an act against something that happened to us. Well, I mean, just take it on face value. Uh, Iranian officials in the press are talking about how they weren't involved in this. Right. So if it's even in contention, and I know, you know, you're asking probably the leader of Hezbollah, you know, did they do this? Of course, they're going to say no. They're denying it. But you're, as you laid it out there, you're attacking an enemy in a foreign country. Um, then, again, you're like, what are we talking about here? Right. And, and it's important to highlight, too, like, um, I forget what year it was, but Trump designated Hezbollah as a, te- a terrorist organization. Uh, I think it was in 2017. I could be wrong. Long over, look up on that. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not. And here's my thing, right? So anyone who hears me talk about Iran that knows me in real life or listens to me talk about it on this podcast. Um, yeah, I do have a sympathetic uh, position on Iran simply for this reason. Iran is one of the few Middle Eastern countries that actually has the military capability, um, the sophistication amongst their military personnel and their paramilitary networks to actually push back against America. And we have bullied Iran. um, You know, you can go back to George uh, Herbert Walker Bush. There's been a ton of shit that this our country has done to Iran to help push them into this more extremist leadership position this is a this is our monster right that we created this country wouldn't be this way if not for us yeah okay so and that's why you know people people you know all these natsec guys always talk about oh we don't want them to be nuclear what arm honestly the best thing that could happen is if iran had a nuke 
because all this shit would stop, first of all. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't see America just randomly drone striking their leaders. And honestly, like you said, Iran has had quite the record of across the last 10 years or so of being very restrained whenever it comes to responses from the West, yeah. um, you know, doing things like this to them. And obviously there's tit for tat. There's proxy wars left and right between left and all right. of these left and right nations. But at the end of the day, people need to keep the correct perspective on this. So Iran is involved in Iraq because uh, Iraq and Syria, because ISIS came along. Uh, you know, previously it was Al Nusra. Now yeah. uh, ISIS was the you know the new boogeyman on the world stage. Iran did a hell of a lot more. You know, and it's just like our history how we talk about World War II, how America's the shining knight who came in and saved Europe. When it was actually Russians who put their bodies on the line, took the biggest toll, yeah. did arguably did way more to defeat Russian Hitler winter. than America did. And don't get me wrong, like our boys did our boys did their yeah. thing too. I'm yeah. not saying that America didn't play a role, but the way that we tell the story is that oh, oh it was all us. Right. The fucking French got rolled, Britain couldn't do shit. Yeah. Like it was all us. We and, we try to we try to claim all those all those props. We do the same thing with ISIS. Right. And the same way you you would they designate Hezbollah and Hamas and all these other uh, organizations and arms as uh, terrorists to look at America from a, a you know outside America view as another country you could designate the CIA as a terrorist organization for yeah, the stuff they've done throughout the years absolutely everyone everyone who's bombing civilians is a terrorist right. by definition right and, and every player that we're talking about and it, uh, Bashar al-Assad uh, uh, Hezbollah the Iranian government probably is one of our only innocent bodies here because they have been, throughout their entire history they purposefully keep themselves separated from their paramilitary groups. That's why Soleimani was so pivotal in their uh, in in their their operations. Yeah. Um. Uh, same thing with um, uh, Russia. You know, it, it, you're all these different people involved that have been involved in Iraq and Afghanistan and all this quandary, this this uh, quagmire that's been there for the last five decades. Right. You could call everyone a terrorist. That word doesn't even mean anything anymore. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we have to keep the perspective of you have these countries. Iraq, for, first of all, the, the Iraqi parliament uh, has uh, voted to uh, uh, kick America out of the country last yeah. February. Yeah. So th- that's a, they, they put that on the books in law. We're yeah. still fucking there. We still have military bases. Yeah. So when we're talking about, oh, um, Bashar al-Assad's a, da- a dangerous dictator. Sure, okay, I could, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Do yeah. Iran has done things, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, but you're doing the same shit. You're in countries where they don't want you. And you're perpetuating a cycle. Of this is us. There. We never yeah. learned the lesson from Vietnam. We never learned the lesson from Korea. We just keep glazing American exceptionalism over all this shit where it's like, you have populations here that don't want you. Right. You're gonna get rockets fired at you. Right. You have bases on soil where the people there do not want you there. It's going to keep happening. It's not going to stop. You aren't going to be able to bomb these people into oblivion. It's never going to happen. You talk about Iran. The reason that they keep assaulting Iran paramilitary and don't do anything to the actual country is because if you look at all the war games about all this, um, all these military experts in our country, they run through all these simulations. There's this thing called Millennium, uh, Millennial, Millennium Falcon that you can look into. Iran is one of the most horrifying possible places America could ever try to invade. So they never would. They already know they can't. Right. Uh, the mountainous terrain, it's very similar to what the issues were in Iraq, Afghanistan. in Afghanistan, yeah. but it's way worse because they actually have a real military. Right. You're not and, talking about people on horseback. And, and yeah. Russian military backing. So when you consider all of these things, it's like if we don't the, – the, the so again, to circle back, like the Iran deal, super important. You need – that needs to happen again because 
those sanctions need to be lifted. They're crippling the civilian population. Right. But when you when you start entering these military, when yes. you look at the mil- yeah. through the military lens of all this, this is going to be an ongoing, never-ending thing until someone takes the bigger position and just stops. You yep. can't just keep tit for tatting shit. It's it's just it's never going to fucking end. And Biden literally just picked right up from where. The mess, and let's be fair, this is a mess that Trump arguably inflamed. He left the Iran nuclear deal. He killed Soleimani. He dropped all these other bombs uh, on on their airstrips. It's just it's just a snowballing thing. And for me, this is where you know now that we leave the actual foreign policy aspect of it to get into the politics of it. To go back, Donald Trump Jr. is CPAC. What did he do? Yeah, he was sitting there joking around. Oh look, oh His first punchline. Yep, first punchline. Oh, Biden's bombing the Middle East, folks. What did I tell you? Yeah. So now here's the crazy thing. You're giving you're giving paleoconservatives like Tucker Carlson. Trump tries to fashion himself as one. A pop, a, no, well, yeah, that's what yeah. they are. They're yeah. oh, oh, war's bad. I only want to worry about my country. Mm-hmm. You're giving those people oxygen to be the anti-war right. party. <laughs> you're giving them the fucking oxygen by, dead. by immediately hopping into uh, picking up where Obama left off with his drone program proliferation, where Trump left off exacerbating shit around the world, you're giving these fucking losers all of this room to be like, well, we're the anti-war people. We didn't start any new wars. Wait, and and oh, Biden claims that he claims he's going to do this and that, blah blah blah. You're just the, the the political optics of it are just disgusting. We have a fucking midterm coming up in a year, and he's already just shitting the bed everywhere and you're it's it's ironic and that it's happening this week because he's he's after getting a lot of um things that people have kind of laughed over the administration of already this being one and then also um you know kids still locked in cages at the border (laughs) so what i saw i saw someone was posting it was like they renamed the cages to like hold you know something more uh politically correct and then just because they have Black Lives Matter stickers and LGBTQ flags on the drones, it's okay to bond the Middle East again. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's- Mi- migrant processing centers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's This has original, was one of the original ideas, like one of the original things that has kind of drawn me into American politics is their relationship to the rest of the world around American exceptionalism, around, you know, the military industrial complex you know, back to Truman, all of that stuff that kind of, I won't say like not so much, um, you know, slavery times and stuff like that. All of that is important to where we are here today. But America's standing and its its position as wanted to be the world police is all birthed under that, you know, a military industrial complex for mm-hmm. sure. And just how it tries to justify being in these places and what they, you know, say in front of the camera, that's where like the world's, um, view of America, you know, I speak to a lot of people back home and they're like, oh, America is doing what they do. Yep. You know, it, and, you know, Britain were good at it as well, but America has really taken the helm uh, as being that country right. who, you know, goes into places, fucking bust open the door, like, oh, let me just wreck this real quick and then try peace out. No, right. that, that doesn't work. And, and, the, and this is where it all comes to for me, right? This is where all this culminates to. Like, sure, you hear me railing about, uh, obviously, I'm anti-war, anti-intervention, all this stuff. But on a larger scale, like, it's perfect. You just brought up uh, uh, Great Britain. Like, yeah, they had an empire, too. They knew how to properly exit. 
Mm-hmm. We're at that stage. Our, we've, break, our Brexit. We, yeah, we, we've been at that stage, Americans. We've been there. We're, we're already here. Look at what China's doing with their positioning for geopolitical power. They're doing the Marshall Plan for Africa, for Eastern Asia, uh, the same way that we did post-World War II. All these other countries, uh, uh, you know, England, uh, they, they engage in this neo-colonialism, but they do it with money. We're the last superpower on Earth that still wants to have physical presence everywhere and impose ourselves on everyone. Yeah. If we still haven't learned this lesson from the last five fucking decades that it does not work, you are going to lose these wars. We lost Vietnam. It's a losing game. We, yeah. You're just sacrificing American bodies for the right. sake of corporations. Right. And it's been glorified as well. Like one of the most apparent things I saw when I came to America first was how much, uh, you know, entertainment and like polishness there was to like ads to join the military or mm-hmm. how much we laud, which, you know, uh, understandably people are going away and fighting for something for something that being the optimal word is like you're under the illusion you, you know you might be fighting for something and, and the reality is a lot of the times the reasoning behind america being in a place is not what you're actually fighting for absolutely not and you know, like i said america was one of the first places i came to and it was like sexied you know they, <laughs> they met, like even like everything is support your troops support your troops like to the fucking hilt yeah and yeah the people that are fighting these wars, the actual people, the soldiers are sacrificial at times. Yeah. It's like what I said, the, um, the fact that we have these military bases all around the world. So now, just like you said, so we have a base in a fucking green zone Mm -hmm. between a country, Iraq, that we were trying to help supposedly, this is air quotes here to form a democracy. They formed it. Yeah. They formed it. Go away. And they said, get the fuck Uh, out. Right. And we're not in it's a green zone between them and it's basically we're just using it as a foothold to have a place to put soldiers in to be bait that whenever they're in a hot zone or if some random fucking rocket attack happens from god knows who we don't i haven't seen any of the intelligence i don't believe i don't believe that they're like oh oh uh these were iranian-backed militia i don't believe it because there's i need proof yeah because all they do is fucking lie yeah who knows? It could have been Syrians. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Who fucking knows? How can you believe any of this shit anymore? But again, yeah, we have them in a green zone between them and a country that we also were kind of trying to beat the drum for war against for regime change in Syria. What are we doing there? This isn't even. And the thing is, like all these people, these American exceptionalists who were like, oh, well, you know, no, we got to retaliate. Oh, they hurt one of our boys. Yeah. You do realize, and then they'll be like, oh, oh, Iran needs to get out, blah, blah, blah. That's their neighbor. That's their na- actual national yeah. security that they're there for. Right. They're on the fucking border of countries that have terrorist organizations trying to come in their country. Right. This is Sunni versus Shia. There's actual real fucking tensions, real life yeah. issues in that region. And you come in and just slap something up there. Yeah. And find- actual issues in that region, theological issues, economic issues, all these things, and we just come in. And fucking stir the pot. Yeah. Randomly supporting dip. And like I said before, Hezbollah, we were, we were, we had detente with them while ISIS was the main issue on the world stage. Soon as ISIS disappears, oh, Iran's dangerous, most dangerous on the world. Uh, and now we're like kind of pivoting to China weirdly, who has like no <laughs> military capability. People are trying to like uh lionize them and make it seem as if they're some threat. It's just, it's never ending. Until Americans realize that these people have an entire economy built off of this where 
you have the production of what what is it the 1.5 trillion dollar jet that the fucking air force was just admitted the other day like was yep, a blank yep completely yeah. fucked up sorry we burned all this money yeah, it doesn't then, even work and you tie this into like the fucking discussion we're having on the stimulus package yeah yep uh and you know all that money went to whoever the fucking defense contractor was that got that yeah. uh got that contract blew it gone evaporated they're scrapping it yeah. nothing nothing gone you you add all these things up on top of the fact that um the only other real function of what we're doing here is we're protecting American investment around the world or seeking new places to seed it. Right. That's it, people. Yeah. You went to the Iraq war. You went into Afghanistan, Iraq war for oil. I mean, that's apparent. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, and then <laughs> I just showed you a clip of Secretary Blinken <laughs> talking about Russia in Crimea. You seven, can't make this shit up. Seven years later. Seven years later, talking about it. The day after you just struck, uh, you know, a quote-unquote terrorist in fucking Syria. Like, you got, the hubris is amazing yeah, to and, me. And, and just, to, you know, juxtapose those two things, folks. We have Biden sending his secretary of state out to talk about fucking Crimea and Russia the, uh, the other day on TV. Biden's bombing Syria. Everybody's running hectic to run um, interference, uh, running around to run interference on, oh, well, this is why this was actually okay, blah, 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 all this. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, people are fucking starving to death. Uh, people are having potato sacks still thrown in the back of their fucking trunks and food lines here in America. Right. The country's still on fire economically, yep. still isn't recovered. People still waiting on stimulus checks, all this other shit. And look what Biden's priority is. Look what he spent a whole fucking week doing. He spent a whole week fucking around, in, uh, um, obviously, in meetings, talking about the Middle East, Russia, all these threats, all this shit, uh, d d defending Neera Tandon, trying to get her, uh, if you read all the articles, all the manpower and time they're spending, worrying about getting her fucking nomination approved, all this bullshit. And then when he gets asked about $15 minimum wage, oh, you know, you're just going to have to follow the rules. Yep. It's going to have to follow the rules. Right. Um, student loan debt. No, I didn't say that. What, I said 10K? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know if I can do that. It's I don't know if I can do that. It's I don't know if I can eliminate $10,000 of student debt, which is directly in, under the purview of the executive um, uh, of the executive in our, in our uh, democracy, because the Secretary of Education has the power over what happens, and he's her fucking boss. He's his boss, I should say, rather. Yeah. It's not the boss anymore. Yep. But when it comes to actual shit that Americans need, it's, I, I, I don't know. We're going to have to see about that. I don't want to break the rules, Jack. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to upset any Republicans. You know, come on, give me a break. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But I'm going to, uh, I'm worried about, I'm worried about legality and proper uh, procedure and all these things when it comes to domestic shit, but I will go drop bombs illegally with no authorization from and Congress in a blink of a fucking eye when some guy hands me a spreadsheet showing me different levels of how aggressive i can be in response right. to an american being injured in a rocket attack from we don't know who did it and we shouldn't have been there right and don't be under any illusion that money spent in foreign policy is not affecting money that needs to be spent on a domestic front you know and that's what the military industrial complex is right um so yeah that that situation is a what we'll call a developing situation, um, but if nothing else, it's a development for the critics of this administration at this early stage. You know, you've had a couple of things that have happened this week that you know allow that to take place, both in what's happening at the border and trying to repackage uh, those cages. And 
you know, there's obviously going to be some intermediary time of, you know, finding the parents of these kids and all that. But, sure. you know, there was this fake veil. There was a veil over the Obama administration that they didn't deport kids. And, you know, Trump, uh, Trump did it as well, but he just was more brash about it. These things happen under all administrations. Immigration is always going to be a topic under all administrations. Yep. Foreign policy in the Middle East is going to be a topic under all these administrations. Who's going to do something different? Who's going to, you well, know? I mean, Bernie would have. Yes, he would have. If, if and it's Bernie so, won. And it, it's funny. <laughs> and it, I fucking love Bernie Sanders because through all the topics that we've mentioned, and, and trust me, he has a stance on all of them. And he's right out in front with all of the things that he says when he's asked on them. He's been a, you know, critic of the wars, which were, we talked about. But even like what I quoted him and saying, uh, make sure you're not overreaching in this. That that paired with the fact that they don't want to overreach with the fucking Senate parliamentarian. <laughs> it's nuts. It really is. It really, folks, it doesn't get any more heightened than this. Like it really doesn't when you're talking about procedure and legality in our in our government and how easily these people will just stampede the actual laws of the constitution with bullshit game playing but when it comes to you being able to feed your fucking family well i don't know if i can do that right i don't know i don't know and it's like i said this all has to keep coming back to as we continue to keep this pace up where we're involved all around the world the numbers the, the, the amount of money all these military bases cost, all this foreign aid that we have to give to support different players that, you know, oh, we want this chess piece to be stronger on the board here because it'll counter this guy. Right. All this fucking bullshit games that we play around all this. The time, it's 2021. The time for that neocolonialism yeah. is, it's over. It's done. We can't, you, we can't, this is unsustainable. Right. Look at how this country's falling apart from the inside out while we continue to fuck around on the world stage. We get an F grade of infrastructure. Yeah. F grade of infrastructure. I, th I believe we're ranked like somewhere, like we're like 131st or something in the world. And add into that then where, where America sits with workers' rights and education, education, all the life expectancy, yeah. all of these things. Uh, um, uh, uh, the the maternal mortality rate, all these yeah. all these clear measurables of what how how successful how successful this country is, how well your conditions are, and compare that with the way that we talk about ourselves. Right, there has to be some reckoning of what the truth is behind these things. Right, and everything that we're talking about, every measurable that you just listed there, you don't think that those things are going to be put under strain as the earth fucking progresses, like in terms of like climate refugees. What do you think it's going to look like when countries are fighting for resources as, you know, climate change increases? Like it's going to get hotter and hotter. And I mean, from a, a an actual temper standpoint, not temperature standpoint. Well, yeah, because then we're going to get to a point where it's actual fights over resources. Yeah. I mean, in the Middle East is the highlight of that because that's the first place it's going to start happening. Yeah. As, t as climate change gets more and more out of control, you're going to see uh, water rights. That's going to be, I mean, people have been. You've already seen that. Yeah. Now, I think. People have been theorizing that for decades. That's just going to get exacerbated. What do you, what's going to happen when ha uh, the, you know, parts of Florida is just underwater? Yeah. You know, what, what is, what do people think the end game is going to be? And it's not even end game. We're just talking about like, I'm 30 years old. We're going to start seeing this shit yeah. when we're in our like fifties. My kids probably. will be dealing with it in, yeah. when they're my age, like proper dealing with this it. This isn't theoretical stuff, people. Right. Like science is a real thing. <laughs>
But I mean, that's a perfect example of, you know, what the conversations are around is of one man. You're talking about a former president who was president for four years. One man taking the shine off what the actual critical issues are. It's that and, and Joe Biden is doing the same thing. He's acting as one man around a bigger ideal, which is American exceptionalism and feeling like they need to police that world, mm-hmm. which they don't. Um, yeah, it's fucking nuts, man. You know, when we when I saw this happen this week and kind of develop this week, I was like, surely, like, it, never that it is to me, but surely I was like, this must be a you know a serious target or at least, uh, you know, a, a well thought out uh, military action. And as I dig deeper into it, I really can't wrap my head around it at all. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. And then the thing is too, right? Like we, I know we brought it up earlier, but like it's, <laughs> they're coming up on trying to make a deal with Iran. Like, so what do you, you think that like further bullying a country you've already ground into the dirt with sanctions is going to gain you more leverage in that? Like, I don't, what more can you really ask? They, they held up their end of the bargain long past when they should have, when Trump got out of the deal. Right. What more well, what do you expect? I don't, just, I don't see the strategy behind this. Biden's certainly not explaining it. Mm-hmm. Um, no one in the Democratic Party establishment has any explanation for it. No one in that sec, in nat- the national security apparatus, has any explanation for it. They just keep pointing to the airport attack. Like, oh, well, no, that was a you know proportionate response. 22 dead people is not proportionate to one. Uh, to one. A non-American. Yeah. It's just not. You know, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it just doesn't matter anymore. Like that's no, it doesn't. That, that, that shows the train the, will keep running forward. Yeah, yeah. That, that shows how lazy they they get to be on this shit too. Yeah. Because people will just read the headline and be like, oh yeah, well dropping some bombs in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, cool. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the reaction I've gotten from you know quite a com- few commentators from back home. It's like again, America is doing what they do, um, and it's not it's not just to one president. It's just like this is the same shit. This is a cyclical thing when you know they're quote-unquote, fighting terrorism. They're over there just causing more harm than good. There's mm-hmm. a vacuum left every time they try to leave a place. And every place they go into is create more tension. Um, and that's just the way it is. If you're on the streets of a country as a military force, you're not gaining any favor there. And I'll speak from experience in when the British Army were in Northern Ireland. You know, all you're doing is creating more and more tension. Let these people govern themselves you know, let them do what they need. They've already told you to get the fuck out. <laughs> so get the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, it's really not any more complicated than that. It's right. not. It's All right, not I want to finish on a, this is a very serious matter. <laughs> Did right. you see that Lady Gaga's two dogs? <laughs> and, you know, it is kind of fucked up. They were stolen at gunpoint. Yep. And her dog walker was shot in the chest. I saw that. And saw Lady that. Gaga put out like a $500 reward. Yeah. The dogs were returned. By some random woman, right? Yeah. I was like, the headline hit, like, I don't, I don't think I got a break in news about it, but I think I was on, like, The Guardian or something. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, it, sound, it sounds like an inside job. Probably someone that knew her, that knew she cared about the dogs and yeah. would put a reward up. Because it's like, well, who got the reward then? I, I don't know. Did anyone get it? Well, or reportedly, the woman who dropped off the dog was not related to the incident. But I mean, like, how the fuck did you get the dogs? Yeah. Are you a mediator for the dog terrorists? And also, why'd you shoot the guy? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> what the fuck? Cold blooded. Yeah, why don't you just like I hit him over the head with something? Seriously, you just shoot a guy? Yeah, there's something else weird going on there. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe, maybe she like didn't sign a contract. It was like some fucking oh no, some fucking like uh like recording studio like sent a hitman to go smoke her like, dog walker. <laughs> she must love those dogs too, <laughs> or they must love those dogs. They must be like fucking. Uh, special lineage or something i don't know who knows with these fucking weirdos <sighs> well yeah this was a an eventful week and you know it started off quite calm i mean we, when did we talk tuesday or wednesday yeah wednesday we were planning on doing a, a black history month episode and just all just the the the, the immediacy of all this yeah and how it much. plays and how it speaks to what we might see moving forward with this administration and also kind of how they will how iran will react and we didn't even get into the reports on you know the saudi crown prince man yeah biden really just this was a hell of a week for him right and you know that again is another strange one i mean you know khashoggi was a permanent resident here same status as i have in the united states so you're going to act with aggression towards Iran for killing a Filipino in the green zone. But Jamal Khashoggi, who is a permanent resident in the United States. Worked for the Washington Post. Worked for the Washington Post. And you're not going to do any sanctions or anything to Saudi Arabia. I, I guess you've cool, he has cooled a little bit towards Saudi Arabia. Or, or at least be like, hey, MBS, you're not allowed in America. Anything, right. Anything. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Anything. Like, yeah. Some of those things. And yeah. it was interesting as well. And I know we've kind of gone all over the place and popped back to this. But well, like, we can we can touch on a little bit yeah. because I think um, Khashoggi was sort of interesting. I remember like reading a lot about him when that happened. And there's he actually had a lot of involvement in like uh the, that that Turkish shadow government, like uh, Gulan, running yeah, against yeah, yeah. Uh, Erdogan, Fatih Gulan, yeah. and there's been there's been a ton of speculation uh, from because it was a coup as yeah, well, wasn't there? Yeah, there's been a ton of speculation from like other foreign policy experts, different independent journalists, and everything that have sort of said. I mean, and it makes a ton of sense. Like people, a lot a lot of people in Natsec assumed that um, Khashoggi was like a CIA asset. Which you know, I, I could be plausible. I mean, totally. Any you, a lot of these people who work in intelligence fly all across all these different countries. Um, you there's it's it's been extremely commonplace that uh, people get handled by the CIA who work in uh, uh, media, and it makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So I don't know, probably something weird like that, and we'll never know. You know, right? It just just like the same way, like when but that, regardless. It, there's instances where they feel like it, it doesn't matter to actually have to give a good explanation. Right. This is just another one of those. Like, you know, you've you've done the report. The CIA has done the report and found out that, you know, he was specifically his handlers were involved in this murder. Right. Um, I mean, and the thing is, like, for people to just take that, that, what, that basically, like, that initial line of reasoning, everyone tried to kind of theorize out of it. Like, oh, well, he killed him because he was critical of the Saudi regime. Like, no, that's, nah, you don't just kill someone that could have possibly given you that much diplomatic blowback just because of that. Right. Like, no, there was probably something larger at play that, again, we'll never know. Right. Um, what is interesting, though, is um, prior to the report um, coming out, Biden met with the, not M- MBS, but uh, the other. Oh, the king. The king. Yeah, his daddy. King daddy, who I think the dynamics in the Saudi uh, 
in the Saudi monarchy is quite strange. There's been a lot of infighting, people going missing and everything. Mm -hmm. Which well, they, I mean, they definitely like they uh, the royal family like definitely cleared the path for MBS like initially. Well, didn't he know? lock up a bunch of them last year? Yeah, the year, I mean, he, a year and a half ago. He personally, well, and that's the thing, right? Because he did, yeah, he cleaned he, house. He he got rid of a bunch of his political enemies, <laughs> including family members. So and, as previous, and there was never any pushback from anyone else in the family. It just kind of kept happening. Um, some other family members who might have acceded to the you know the throne or at least been close to power a bunch of them were sent off as ambassadors other places and stuff like that so like typical dynastic shit you yeah. see throughout history of monarchies pay attention to the american quiet on that though when that happens right as opposed to you know now yeah <laughs> and what's happening in Iran. you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. another example of it again you know i've said it before all the american presidents around that sphere ball thing that glows yeah the palantir yeah <laughs> Like again, they choose they choose who they're cozying up to and what they allow them to to get away with. Yeah. Um, but, but I guess this was a pivotal thing for at least it to be brought out in the open that MBS was, uh, you know, definitely the the person who was pushing the button, so to speak, with the whole Khashoggi murder. Right. And the thing is, like, you know, I, and some people will be like, oh, you know, Biden let us know that that was, you know, he released some intelligence. And it's like, well, dude, everyone knew. It's not like he, like, broke. <laughs> the new told, day one. It's not like he told us who, like, murdered JFK or anything. Literally, <laughs> the day he was murdered, you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, MBS. I'm pretty sure they had, like, footage of. Well, they, yeah, they were, those were his, like, personal henchmen. So, like, everyone That's was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it was MBS. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, thanks for, like, oh. Enlightening us on this one, CIA. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, cool. You know, <laughs> fucking two years later. Thanks, bro. Oh, fucking hell. Well, that's all I have. Um, again, really appreciate anyone who's been listening. Um, support is welcomed. Certainly rate the podcast, share it, have a chat with us. You know, we're available to get into, you know, further discussion on this online. Um, you know, find us on Facebook, Foreign Domestic, Unfiltered, anywhere you get your podcast. Other than that, have a wonderful weekend. Although if you're listening to it in the week, have a good week, I guess. I <laughs> don't <laughs> oh, know, Ramon, what you got? You got any parent words for the, the oh, listeners? Oh, man, nothing. Just, yeah, you know, hey, I got... Keep your head up. That riled me up, man. I just, you, you try to come in optimistic with Joe and... Really grinds my gears. Here we go. I mean, hey, it makes this, making this show a lot simpler, you know, just... Sh should we start doing things where you're having me on as a guest and I'll just like, throw my voice and be an American? Yeah. We got a caller here. Who do we have today? We've got uh, Denny from Texas is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. No, man. I. Yeah, I'm sorry. I took over the episode. I no, just, all good. Fucking Jesus. I, this guy. But um. no. um. Yeah, no. Again, just like last week, you know, I appreciate everybody who's listening. Um. You know, yeah, if you have any questions critical comments anything like that yep put them up and yeah hopefully we'll start having mixing in some new format stuff having some guests on and everything we're going to keep working on that behind the scenes for you guys all yeah right? certainly anything that you guys want to see any feedback at all um you know more than welcome appreciate you all right peace